acknowledge Jesus as Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts, and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not in. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all. It's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Amen. Psalms 92 says it's good to give thanks to the Lord. Let's stand and praise the Lord today.
sing that song, I think for the first time in a long time, it hit me the way that the song was written to intend it. As I'm just sitting there listening to the words, I begin to be overwhelmed with the way that God, I mean, he would leave the 99 to go after the one. And I'm thinking, I mean, all this is going on in my head as I'm sitting there playing the drums. I'm thinking in my head, he left, I feel like he left more than 99 to come and find me. There's, a, there's billions of people in this world. And God just came to me to meet with me in a room one day. Uh, when I was at my lowest point, I felt like in my life. And he said, uh, I love you. I love you. And I love you more than anybody would ever love you. When I thought that, no, I said, who would ever love me for me? And he said, I love you more than what anybody could ever love you. And the difference, Justin, is I will never leave you. Just, he did all that for me. I was about 18 years old and he waited 18 years of my life. There's no wall that he won't kick down. Nothing that he will light up for us church this morning. And as we sing those words, I, you know, I just, I don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to just go through the motions of just singing those words. That there's nothing that our God would ever, there's nothing that could stand between you and God and what he would do to have you in his arms. There's nobody on the face of this earth, not even somebody that you might hate or be mad at right now, that God wouldn't say, I would do everything to get that person. There's nothing that I wouldn't do to get that person back in my arms. 
when you might question, well, God, I, this person's been struggling for a long time now, Lord, and it, and, and it almost feels like if you don't want him, he wants him. And there's nothing more that what God wants is us to be with him. And so the band didn't, we didn't plan for this, but if you can, we don't have to go into the high part, but if you can just begin to sing that, that, that bridge, you know, there's no shadow that God can't light up. Nothing that he could, no wall that he can't kick down. And let that be our prayer this morning. Being overwhelmed by his presence. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. overwhelming overwhelming presence of God and his love is true Father we thank you for this truth this morning we thank you Lord that you have put a worth on us higher than what we can even put on ourselves there's some real selfish people in this world Lord and you love us even more than what we could love ourselves and Lord I pray that we would be reminded of that this morning that we would embrace it Lord and that we would act upon your love that we would turn away from whatever it is that could be holding on to us Lord and we would cling to you in your kingdom in Jesus name Amen Well, as we come to the time we would traditionally call passing the peace, it's just a saying hi to each other. I uh, want to start with a, a little bit of a story. So a guy came up to Jesus and he said, hey, you know, what, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, you know, love God, your father, love him with everything you've got. But then he didn't separate. He said, and I think he was saying just as equal. And this is part of the equation. Love your neighbor as yourself. And as we all go through the long uh, journey of life wondering why do we exist? Any of you have, were any of you anxious teenagers wondering why you existed? Maybe anxious adults. The only thing I can ever come up with is that we were created for relationship. I can't imagine any other reason why we're here other than to love God and love each other. And that's why I love the time of greeting in church. Uh, I was like, man, we should just do this the whole time. This is great. And, but I want to tell you, you all, uh, you all did a great job a few weeks ago. So I got a phone call on Monday from a pastor in DeLand. He had just gotten a phone call from a pastor in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And he called this other pastor and said, hey, 
uh, someone from my congregation just drowned in the Daytona Beach area. And uh, so this other pastor called me, and I think I have a reputation. Do you remember a life cereal where Mikey will eat anything? I think it's kind of like, oh, Jason will do it. He'll do anything weird. And I was like, thanks. And that's basically what he said when they called me. And I was like, sure, man. So he's like, I, this guy would like for you to go meet with this guy named Carl, who just lost his sister in Daytona Beach. And I was at the park with the Crederos and uh, the Anyerts. All of our kids were playing around at, you know, the, the pirate ship park down there on Spruce Creek and uh, having a good time. And I was like, uh, I told Manny, like, honey, I think I need to I need to leave pretty soon to go meet with this guy. I have no clue what it's about. Finally got a hold of Carl and we're on the phone. I said, man, do you need someone to talk with, to pray with? He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't even know what to say right now. He's like, my sister drowned in uh we're here on vacation, and she's the one that drives. And I was like, oh, man, this is a different situation than I was anticipating. So I get up to Ormond Beach and uh, meet with Carl, and I realize that he's, he's got some difficulties that he struggles with in life. And um, he's here alone. His sister has just died a few hours before. And uh end up talking to his brother, who's in uh, Massachusetts, and he's going to fly down the next day. So Carl and I, we go across, we walk across the street to IHOP and have dinner and talk and, and pray. And the server ends up hearing what we're talking about. And we have actually a time of prayer with him. Um, pretty crazy stuff. Walking back across the street to the hotel and he goes in and we, we his brother comes in the next morning. And so I, I take Carl over to meet him at the airport so they can start finalizing things. And Carl said, Carl's a little, little different, but he said, you know, I, I go to Nazarene Church in Pennsylvania, but I, was, I went to one last week, and we had just spent a bunch of hours together. I went to one last week in, a, in Port Orange, and boom, it clicked. I was, like, I was like, Carl, when I was talking, were you and your sister sitting right here? You had the biker thing. Did anybody remember the biker couple? That was uh, that was Carl and his sister here with us, and uh, we we lost her a week ago. But I want to say I'm I'm proud of you all, as I know that some of you talked to her and loved her. I talked with Ray, and he could tell me specific details. And um, that's why we're here, is to love each other, to be in relationship. I don't want to get too dark, but you never know when one of us is gonna go and and meet Jesus. And just, uh, I want to say thank you. I want to thank you for loving the stranger um, as you do what, what God's called you to. So let's stand. Let's greet each other. It's not the last time you'll see anyone around you, and that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but remember what we were created for, and let's love each other.
All right, no more sad stories, don't worry. Just Vanna White bringing the screen over. And uh, thank you, lovely Vanna. It's always a pleasure. And some announcements. So we've got a few things going on. I believe that Pastor Garen will be resuming his study this Wednesday at 7. Is that correct? Anybody know for sure? At 7, uh, I think it's called These 40 Days. It's a, it's a Lent study. Linton, not lentils, although lentils aren't bad when mixed with other things. Uh, that is Wednesday at 7. And then we've got Quest 52 starting. So I've got all the details here so I don't mess it up too bad. All right. It's going to be at Jim and Elaine Byram's. Wave to us. Thank you. They're lovely folks. They, uh, their address is on here. So there is a schedule back there if you would like to join them. I think it'll be a good time. Anybody know why it's called 52? 52 weeks. You ever committed to a year of anything in your life? I know I haven't. I mean, not really, but uh, I'm working on it. Uh, this is going to be a great thing. I've heard wonderful things about Quest 52. So there are still books available, correct? All right, plenty of books. It'll be a great time. Uh, it is a great time of fellowship and learning. Learning how to grow closer to each other, grow closer to God, learning about God. When you spend a year studying with others, something really fantastic happens. And there is something else about being together that is great, especially when you're eating, correct? And that's what we're going to do today. And don't feel strange or left out if you didn't get the announcement because, well, we just made it up last week. And so because of that, we will have extra food I'll be picking up pizzas. Uh, we'll have some other food to share. Please stick around unless you really, really, really have to go. We're going to set up tables afterward, and we're going to eat together. Not much better in life than that, right? All right, so I'll be disappointed if I don't see I'm going to make a mental note of who's here. All right. Drew, better not leave. All right, well, I'm going to turn it over to Justin before I say anything more. Anything else ridiculous? No, it's good, it's good, it's good. My wife's got some baked goods that she has brought, and we got a big old thing of white, yellow rice with a big old concoction that it's worth trying at least. So please stay, because the worst thing about bringing food is like when you have to bring something back home. We don't want to bring anything back home. Isabel's birthday party was yesterday, and we got a lot of stuff that we're bringing back, that we have at the house, and just, I don't want to bring anything extra back. So please stay and eat it up, okay? We're going to come to a part of the service where, uh, one second here. Have you guys had, Jason brought some of these donuts earlier this morning? They're really good. Have you guys had one? Hold on. We're going to come to the time of the service. Was that weird? That was a little weird. Um, I'll tell you what. As much as that looked weird... Sometimes, here's a nugget, Drew, this could look weird. Sometimes we find ourselves eating from the gospel of Jesus only on a Sunday morning. And there's no difference from me walking up here, getting ready to tell you something, and begin to eat on stage. And you say, well, that's just weird. That's the only time that he's eating right now. And spiritually speaking, sometimes on a Sunday morning is the only time that we get fed. And I want to encourage you throughout this week as we go that we are a people that are constantly bringing snacks with us, Jesus snacks with us. If you guys digging through my wife's purse, 
Monday to Friday, you will find every bit of food under the sun in her purse. She'll have like oranges in there, apples, you know, granola bars and things like that. These are for the girls, obviously, but we need to be like how my kids are. They're always eating, spiritually speaking. And so that's all that was. It was just an analogy to let you guys know. I really didn't care for the donut that much. It was okay. It was okay. It was okay. But we get to join in the part. We get to come to the part of the service where we get to worship God in our tithes and offerings. And uh, guys, you know, I just want to remind you here, uh, you know, this is a time that we get to get back to God and all that he's done. Uh, he's done so much again, as we sing that song, overwhelming, God, that when you think of what God is for us, it becomes overwhelming. And how can we ever give back? Well, we never can give enough back, but this is one opportunity that we can give back. And so let's just pray for his blessing over this time of the service. Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for uh, this opportunity that we get to give back to you, Lord. And I just pray that we do it with cheerful hearts. Um, Lord, that we do it with open hands and an open mind, knowing that you are a God that provides for his people. Uh, we love you and we thank you. And uh, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You guys will see just a couple different ways on the screen that you're able to give online, as well as as you're heading out in the back, uh, there's some drop boxes on your way out today after the potluck, after the potluck, guys. All right. Thank you. morning good morning i'll tell you what jason you could have you should have warned me before you said that story you know you could have like that though i was like whoa what a shocker right if, if those of you guys didn't get it real quick you know the couple that jason was or the the gentleman that jason was ministering to without even knowing the connection that got brought together they were here at a church just a few weeks before visiting and so I knew that Jason went out and I knew that Jason helped this gentleman, but he didn't tell me that little, he left it till this morning and I was like, I was almost bawling my eyes out because I remember having a conversation uh, with her and, uh, and her brother as well. So, uh, Garen had uh, came to me a while back and said, hey, I'm going to have you preaching, you know, at least one time in, uh, in the month of March. And then Jason recently came to me and said, hey, we got two Sundays, which one would you like to preach, the first one or uh, the second one? I said, well, I'll take the second one. Um, and... Um, which technically is a third Sunday in Lent. Um, now, Garen, if you're watching this, I don't think that it's on accident that you decided to take off the last two weeks. Because as I look at this message and what is in the plan for the schedule to, on what to preach, 
I was like, oh man, this one's tough to preach. This one's, this one's tough, awkward, just not many people preach on this topic. And I was like, you know what, there, there's been many times you could ask Garen where it'll say, hey, look, if you want to stick to the schedule, here's what we're preaching. And I was like, no, God's got something else on my mind. I'll just go completely off script and preach something else. And so I, when I seen this, I was looking at it. This is, this is the script. And I said, um, I said, okay. I said, oh, this is deep. This is tough. People ain't going to like me if I preach on this. And I was like, God will tell me something different. He'll tell me something different and, uh, you know, I'll put it together and then it'll be like every other time that I preach. And as the week went by, God kept, no, that, I want you preaching that. I want you preaching that. And I'm playing in a sermon, you know, but I want you preaching that. But I want you preaching that. And, uh, and so anyways, we, uh, some of you guys are thinking, what is he talking about? We'll, we'll get into it. The title of this message is called, uh, well, let me see. The actual, because I, I, did, I did alter some things here. Um, the title of this message is called Sexual Sin, the Heart of the Matter. Um, it is based off of Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 to 30. So if you guys have your Bibles with you or your app on your phone, you can go ahead and uh, turn, to your, uh, turn your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 to 30. I mean, this thing has just, when I read it, I'm just going to read it and just let's marinate on a second so you know, oh, this can, this can go many different ways. And Garen, I'm sure you did it on purpose. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 to 30. Titled Adultery. It says, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in her heart, Uh, With her, I'm sorry, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go into hell. Jesus help me. Jesus, help us. Father, this morning, may I decrease and may you increase. Lord, that if there is a moment that you say, I want you to say this and not that, Lord, that you would speak through me. Lord, may I, in, may I decrease and you increase this morning as I begin to preach and bring your word. And may your truth be spoken this morning and may you move the hearts of your church. In Jesus' name, amen. So, hmm, hmm, I'll read it again. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go into hell. Now, there's a couple different 
this is going to be like a three-point sermon. And I don't mean it as in like, this is a sermon with three points to it. I mean like as in like, I have three sermons in one combined is, is kind of what God has turned this into. Because, you know, as we dig into this topic of lust and this, you know, sexual sin that people could stumble in, that many people, when we start to read some statistics, can stumble into, I also want to be mindful of maybe there's somebody in here that says, well, I really don't have that struggle now or anymore, whatever the case is. And so I want to have the message to be a little bit more broad because the truth is that this is only an, an example of how we should be watching out and also how should we should respond to, you know, things that we might do that are wrong, whether it's sexual sin or if it's any other type of sin that, uh, that we're jumping into. And so to get the, um, the, the sexual side of it out of the way, I want to read you guys some statistics real quick to just know that the problem of this message topic is real, is real. It is 100% real and even so in the church as well too. And so we're going to just read some statistics on, um, I'm trying to word things a little bit differently. We have, you know, kids could watch us, whatever the case is. But there's a couple things that I want to mention is this. One of them is we have to talk about these things no matter what, right? The second thing is that if a topic is ever asked, say your kid is watching this, your teens could be in here, whatever the case is. If the question ever comes up and something needs to be asked, please find, and you, you might not feel equipped to answer it, please find one of the pastors here, Jason, myself, uh, you know, any of the leaders of the church and they might be able to help you navigate through some of those topics um, that might be asked when these things get brought up, right? Um, but anyways, so statistics of pornography in the U.S. and in the church. Over 40, millions, over 40 million Americans are regular visitors to porn sites. The average visit lasts 6 minutes and 30 seconds. Number two. There are around 42 million websites, which total around 370 million pages per website. The industry annual revenue, listen to this, the industry's annual revenue, this blew my mind, is more than the NFL, the NBA, the MLB combined. Combined. Put them all together and that's, this industry is making more money than the NFL, the NBA, the MLB combined. It is also more than the combined revenue of ABC, CBS, and NBC. 47% of families in the United States, States reported that there is some problem in their homes that is related to this topic this morning. Even, let's see here, this says... Oh, this is actually the age here. 11 is the average age that a child is first exposed to this. 94% of children will see it before the age of 14. 56% of American divorces involve one party having an obsessive interest in this topic of this morning. 70% of Christian youth pastors report that they have had at least one teen come to them to help in dealing with this sort of a problem in the past 12 months. 68% of the church-going men, 68% of church-going men 
and over 50% of pastors view it on a regular basis. Of young Christian adults between the ages of 18 and 24 years old, 76% of them actively search this on the internet. 59% of pastors said that married men seek their help for this problem. Only 13% of self-identified Christian women say that they never have watched it. 87% of Christian women have watched it. 55% of married men and 25% of married women say they watch it at least once a month. 57% of pastors say that this addiction is, most, is the most damaging issue in their congregation. And 69% say that it has adversely impacted their church. Only 7% of pastors say their church has a program to help people struggling with this sort of a problem. 7%, with all those statistics of 50, 60, 80%, 7% of the churches have something for this. Preach something on this. And so, here's what I will say to that. It is real, and it is out there. And it is more rampant than ever before, especially with this day and age of COVID, everybody being stuck at home and stuff like that. And so if you feel any sort of conviction or whatever the case is, or you feel any certain way, you're not alone. And the truth is, is that it is something that we need to talk more about and discuss more about because it is something that God does want to deliver us from. But I want to dissect the passage to this message to kind of bring this topic as a whole if you're somebody in here this morning who says, well, this is just something I don't really deal with. Well, then guess what? I have a message for you too as well. And if this is something that you do deal with, and for the remaining of the message, apply it to what it needs to apply to in your life. But let's dissect this passage of scripture found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 to 30. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, now you guys know, everybody knows here what adultery is. Adultery is when you are having some sort of a relationship with another partner outside of your marriage. And so they're told, okay, well, listen, I know that you're not supposed to commit adultery, but even if, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, lustfully, I want to stop on that word lustfully. Let's find out what that word means. Without going into the Greek meaning, you know, I can tell you what the Greek word is and what the root, like, and all this kind of fun stuff. Let me just tell you the basic point of it all. Lust means in this passage, not just to like desire, right? It doesn't mean to, oh, well, if you just like think like, oh, you know, like, oh, she's nice or she's pretty, whatever the case is, then all of a sudden it's lusting after somebody. It means to covet, to want earnestly something that is not yours. So let me be clear with you guys on this, on this topic, because a lot of times, you know, some of the people will come to me, and the, some of the, especially the guys at my church and at my work, a lady will come walking in, and, they're, and they get to talking all about this lady, whatever the case is. Oh, wow, look how she looks. And then they say, oh, and I don't really participate in the conversations. And they're like, come on, Justin, come on, come on. And, and, and when it comes down to it, I'm, I, I'm honest with them. I say, look, I'm not blind. I can see how somebody looks. You know, I know that if somebody looks good or whatever the case is, you know, if there's an attractive person, that doesn't mean that, you know, that that's what's wrong. A lot of times people, they, they run so far away from what's wrong that they start to make things up wrong. Oh, you can't even notice how a girl looks, these, you know, and that's not really the case, right? But it means to earnestly want something that is not yours. Now, this is the reason why I say that I want to open this passage up, because 
besides the topic of this morning, is there something in your life that you really want that is not yours? It doesn't belong to you. It could be money. It could be materialistic things. It could be a truck. It could be me seeing Drew pull up in his truck. Man, I really want that truck. And you could you could want the truck, but it's like it's something that just kind of takes over you. You're like, so bad. I mean, you know, I like your truck, Drew, but not that way. But nevertheless, you know, or do we find ourselves that way? I need money. I need money. I need this. I need that. I need, you know, my plan out for the future, right? It, it doesn't have to be even materialistic things. It could be that you want your life a certain way and you want it so bad, but yet it might not be something that belongs to you. We're living in a day and age where everybody's so much keeping up with the Jones, right? I mean, let me ask you this in, in you know, when you guys were growing up, most of you guys, maybe, you know, when you guys were teenagers, were you thinking that you guys wanted a Bugatti? A Bugatti, it's a $2 million car that every teenager wants these days. Probably not, right? Because I got some faces that were like, what is that, a Bugatti? It's probably a car that wasn't around when you guys were growing up. Jason's over there. I want a Bugatti. But you see, you see, nevertheless, though, think about it this way. You didn't, nobody needs a Bugatti, right? Nobody needs one. But all the teenagers these days, you ask them, what do you want? I want a Lamborghini. I want a Bugatti. They want all these things that were never even invented when you guys were growing up. So you guys don't even want it, right? You guys didn't even care for it growing up. But now everybody's so keeping up with the Joneses that they, they go on YouTube, they go on Facebook, and they see, wow, my friend's driving in this. My friend's driving in that. I need to drive in something new. My friend just bought a new car. I need to buy a new car, right? We have these people that are like, man, you know, I, I got to try to, I got to get a new car, but I can't really afford the payments. Well, why don't you just buy like a cheap car outright? Well, you know, you know, I don't know because it's not going to get me around. Well, yes, it will. There's a lot of people who are buying cheaper cars and they're able to get from point A to point B, but you want to be a little fancy with it. <laughs> the cell phones too. Yeah. Mark's over there showing his cell phone. That is so true. Cell phones these days, you know, every kid is wanting the latest and brand new cell phone. I feel bad because I got the latest one, but I, t- I waited for this one, guys. All right. I had the rinky dinky one for a long time before I got this phone, but I'm telling you the kids, the kids these days, you know, with you, you know, the Apple and Android phones. Well, and Apple is like the new thing. Those of you guys who are Android users, that is going to be gone sometime soon because all the teenagers these days are all like Apple, 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 Apple. And they want the latest iPhone because that's your status on how you are. But really the truth is if nobody cared about the status of a phone, half of these people in the world would not care of their status of their own phone. If nobody cared how big their house was and they just said it fits my needs and it satisfies my family's needs, then nobody would really care about having the biggest house, right? And so that's what I mean is that we live in a society that is designed to say, you are constantly unsatisfied in life because you are wanting something that does not belong to you. You really want that Lamborghini, but look at your bank account. You will never be able to get it in a very long time from now. So stop wanting it. You want that $2 million house on the water, guess what? You can't have it right now. Your bank doesn't look like it. Be happy with the house you got. You know, when you get too, when you, when you get too sucked up in wanting things that you don't want, well, don't we all want God to just come in the physical form and just walk here with us right now and just be like, hey, God, how you doing? And high-five him. Well, we don't, we don't get it all the time the way that we want it. And so we got we to gotta be okay with that. We got to be content with what life gives to us. So that word lust, I want something that doesn't belong to me. That woman doesn't belong to me. That man doesn't belong to me. But I want it. And so on and so forth. It goes on to say, if he has looked at anyone, a woman with lustfully, he has already committed adultery with her. And this is the second word that I want to dissect. 
in his heart. In his heart. Church, I want to tell you something this morning. You all look amazing. You look great. You all look like saints of the world. I mean, the holiest people I've ever met, you guys look great. I mean, your clothes look fine. I mean, everything's looking fine. No one looks like they're in some trouble this morning. But I tell you what, God doesn't look at the outside. Man looks at the outside. And it's very easy to put on a a facade. Hey, look, I look good, don't I? I dress right, I dress good. But you don't know what's going on in my heart. And you see, there's a portion that we need to realize is this. God sees your heart. He knows what's going on inside of there. You could fool everybody on the face of this earth. You could swear up and down what you do and what you don't do, but God sees your heart. And I'm telling you, church, this morning, when I was thinking about that, as I'm putting this message together, I said, that is scary. But I tell you what, just at the same time that I thought how scary it is that I know that God sees my heart, so I could fool anybody, but God sees what's here. I said, but man, I feel so good to know that he sees my heart. Because sometimes I'm getting judged for things that I know, you know, it's like, listen, guys, I didn't mean to do that. And so I'll tell you what, although you might feel a little gut punch to know that God sees truly what's inside of you, I tell you what, he also knows how you feel right now if you're hurting. If you're feeling convicted right now and you're like, man, I kind of feel bad and the message is not sitting right with me, I'm just feeling convicted, he knows that too as well. He knows that you really want to be living for him. And so he sees that as well. So there was a part that as I'm, as I'm getting convicted about it, God's saying, well, Justin, also I see your heart. I see everybody's heart. I know what you really want. But I got a scary part, part two. Because you could sit there and say, well, yeah, but I, I know my heart. Me and God know my heart. No, 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 no. You see, in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? I'll tell you this morning. There is your spiritual walk with God is the most scariest thing on life. And I'll tell you why. It's not always, but it is. I'll tell you why. Here's the scary part about it. Nobody sees it. Right now, you guys could all think that if you guys all had to sit, you could judge me for two seconds in your head. Where do you think I am spiritually? If this is like the bottom of being me spiritually, and this is the top of how spiritual I could be right now, where do you think I am? Think about it in your head. Get it, get it locked in your head, okay? The truth is, everybody probably has me at different spots. And also, the second thing is this. Nobody really knows. Nobody really knows. The only person who knows is God. You see, one day I could even go to God myself and say, well, God, guess what? I was a youth director at the church. And everybody loved me, and I gave my nuggets as well, and I even preached. And everybody told me how good I was at the end, right? I could do that to God. And God could could come to me when I go to meet with him one day and say, well, guess what, Justin? Remember a long time ago I called you to do this? Remember a long time ago I wanted you to do that? See, God is the only one that knows where I would be right now if I was all for him, right? And it could be here right now this morning. But God only would be able to show me that when I go to meet with him. Because he knows exactly where I should be versus where I am. And even my own heart could deceive me to think otherwise. There's a lot of people that walk around on this earth today and they think, oh, I'm all okay. Me and God are all tight. We're one right now. We're okay. And guess what? It's okay to, you know, to go to God and say, Lord, search me. Search my heart because I might not even know what's going on on the inside. <clears throat> and so I want to remind us as a, as a people of God 
that back in the days they had like the holiness movement. They had all these revivals and God was moving in all these towns and changing things up. I'll tell you why it was happening. Because everybody wore their heart on their sleeve. You see, today and age, we all are so all to ourselves. I don't want nobody to know what I'm struggling with. I don't want nobody to know what I'm dealing with. I don't want nobody to know what problems I got going on in my life. Whatever it is that you could be going through, you don't want to let anybody know. And that's exactly where the enemy wants you to be. Because the moment that you begin to confess, there is power in confession to Christ. But I'm telling you this morning, there is power to confession to the body of Christ as well. Corporate confession is powerful. When you are able to have a church that you attend and you are able to build connections within that church so close to people that you are able to go to those people in the church and say, man, I want to tell you something. I'm struggling with this. This is something that I got going on in my life. That person might not even know exactly what it is to fix you. But have you ever felt it to where just me telling you what I'm struggling with has already given me enough power to make changes to improve it? There is freedom in confession. Not only to Jesus, but also to the body of Christ. And so may I encourage us as a, as, a, as, a, as a people of this church, of this congregation, that we build relationships with people. That we build relationships strong enough with somebody, with anybody in our lives that we could be open with. That we could share a heart on our sleeve in a world that the, that the world is telling you, don't tell anybody what you're struggling with on the inside. But that we could say, man, you know, I, you know, I build a relationship with you so close that I feel comfortable telling you this. And I'm telling you, growth will come. One of, the most, one of the most powerful times in my life where I was skyrocketing spiritually was when I was involved in a small group of three of us and we would meet on a weekly basis and we would just confess to each other. We would ask each other those tough questions. Have you sinned since the last time I've seen you? What are you struggling with? You know, we've stopped asking these questions in the church these days. It's almost awkward. You don't, don't ask me that. And I get it. You know, the truth is maybe some of us, we haven't built that relationship enough to, to say, well, I, I don't feel comfortable telling you. Well, guess what? Let's build that relationship to start feeling comfortable with one another to tell each other. Because look what it says when we read the statistics. Seven percent of congregations even have something to, to, to go against this huge battle that we face. And so let us be reminded that even you and your own heart can be deceiving yourself to think that everything is okay. And to be able to have a body of people that you could go to and say, here's what I'm struggling with, help me. It would really improve your spiritual life, I promise you, this morning. Back to the main verse. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. If you're right, I guarantee, I'm telling you right now, if you're watching this this morning, you set me up. It says if your right eye causes you to stumble, to take it out and throw it away. Gouge it out and throw it out. Somebody here is thinking like, there may be somebody here that may be thinking like, man, I, might, I guess I have to do that. I'm telling you, guess what? I got some good news for you. You don't have to gouge your right eye out and throw it out. You know why? Because the truth is, is that you got to deal with it inwardly. You know, if your right eye is causing you to sin and you just choose to only gouge it out and throw it in the trash, it'll be your left eye that gets you in trouble next time. And if you cause your right hand, if you cut your right hand off right now and you throw it in the trash, then it'll be your left hand that'll cause you to mess up. You see, it is a heart issue that we're dealing with this morning. And I'll tell you why, because in my own life, God has dealt with me on this very topic. I was about 18 years old and I was struggling. And I was dealing with this big time. 
And again, like I said, if I'm talking to you this morning and you're thinking to yourself, well, I just don't have this problem right now. Okay, well then find a problem that you might have or something that you might get in the future, whatever the case is, and apply it to that because it's the truth. It goes across all avenues, but in this topic, this is the one that was in for this week's lesson. And, you know, Garen had set me up, and so I didn't really want to preach it, but God said, you got to preach it, Justin, and so i got to preach it. We are in the season of Lent. And if you guys know about Lent, there is a 40-day fast that we are supposed to partake in. And I tell you this, church, if you, don't, if, if you haven't done it yet, if you haven't started a 40-day fast, guess what? It's not too late. You can start a 40-day fast whenever you want. You don't have to wait till Lent to start a 40-day fast. But I want to tell you the importance of it. Some of you guys might say, well, guess what? I stopped this. I stopped that. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not eating sugar for Lent. But let me ask you, what are you doing instead of eating sugar? Maybe you're not watching TV. What are you doing besides watching TV? Maybe you're fasting from eating breakfast. What are you doing besides eating breakfast? Because that is the topic that I want to give to you guys. That is the point that I want to share with you guys this morning on what we should be doing. God came in my life when I was 18 years old. He began to convict me on certain things. This addiction that I had, the one that we were talking about, I've dealt with this before. We've, a lot of us have dealt with this before. And I'm telling you, I dealt with this so strongly that I was even in open communication with a buddy of mine. And I remember we're walking in a hotel room, and I'm like, man, but I tell myself I'm going to stop. And I'm talking about the topic of today's lesson, right? I just don't want to keep saying the word if I don't have to, but this sexual sin. And, and I told my buddy, I said, listen, I tell myself that I'm going to stop. And I, I beat my chest up, and I said, I'm going to stop. And a good month goes by. This was, you know, this was about when I was 18 years old. I said, a good month goes by, but I end up stumbling back in again. And my buddy's like, I know, I know. And he's married to my stepsister. So then he goes, dude, when I was going to marry your sister, I thought that was going to fix my problem, and it hasn't. And I'm like, I guess we're just always going to have this struggle. I mean, guys, when, when I tell you an addiction, it was an addiction. I would be crying myself to sleep some nights thinking about this addiction that I had. And, and I would be like, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I, I just end up still doing it. And it's just a crazy mess. And I've told myself time and time again, and I've told God time and time again, God, I'm not going to do it anymore. Done. This is the last time. No more. Period. Finished. Go by, you know, I'd, I'd have a good streak, you know, it'd be like maybe like three months or so that'd go by. And then eventually stumble back in again. Month goes by, stumble back in, whatever the case is. It wasn't until the moment, and this is what I mean right here. I'll get there eventually in a second. Give me a moment. I, got to, I went to a church one morning, and a guy begins to preach, and he says something. He says, man, everybody's trying to fight in their own strength. Everybody's trying to beat their own chest and say, Lord, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. Lord, I'm sorry for doing this mistake, and I'm not going to do it anymore in my own strength. Well, let me tell you something, church. I promise you, 100% of the time that you decide that you are not going to do something, even if it's for God's kingdom, in your own strength, 100% of the time you will fail. It was that morning that the pastor said that morning, he said, you need to do it in his strength. You see, because when we get to the season of Lent where we fast for 40 days, it's not just abstaining from something that you shouldn't be doing or that you don't really need in your life. It's about picking something else up that you should be doing. You know, I'll tell you right, I'll tell you guys right now, my 40 my day fast for Lent was that I wanted to eat three meals a day because I'm very bad at that. I literally will leave the house in the morning without drinking or eating nothing, and I'll go to work, and then I won't eat or drink at all at work. And then when I get home, my wife's dinner and, 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 and drink for me would be the first thing I had to eat or drink that day. It's horrible. I don't realize it now because I'm young, but then some of my buddies are telling me, they're like, dude, your body's deteriorating whether you feel it or not. You'll feel it later on in life. 
So I said, you know what, for Lent, I want to give up not like eating. It's kind of weird, right? Because I'm doing something now. For Lent, I want to pick up that I want to eat three meals a day. And also, I want to start taking my 30-minute break from work. I'm horrible. I'm a workaholic naturally. And so when I get to work, I'm just, I'll work right through my break. I never take a break at all. So I told myself, I said, you know what? I'm going to take a break 30 minutes a day from work. And I'm going to eat three meals a day. Be healthy with it. And guess what? I'm going to tell you guys right now, I haven't been doing too good. And I'll tell you why I haven't been doing too good. Because when I take a 30-minute break, I'm not picking up nothing new. I'm not picking up nothing new. I'm not, I'm not opening my Bible. I'm not using that time as a prayer time. I'm not using that time to get closer to God. I'm just kind of taking a break and just sitting there doing nothing. And so eventually it's just like, well, then, shoot, for that I might as well just go back to work. And so I'm not doing too good at it. And I'm telling you, it wasn't until this. When you give something up in your life for God's kingdom. You know, I told myself many, many, many times. I told myself, I said, you know what? God, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And I would end up falling back into it. And church, it wasn't until I said, God, I'm not going to do it in your strength. And then I begin to live a life where I fell head over heels for God. I fell so in love with him that years and years and years and years went by. And now my buddies will come and tell me, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I struggle with this here and I struggle with it there. And I, struggle. And I tell them, I'm like, guys, 2012, God changed me. Since 2012. And you know what I realized in that moment? I said, it wasn't that I just dropped something, but it was that I picked God up. I picked God up. And I'm telling you this morning, church, if there's something that you're struggling with, whatever it is, whatever it may be, if you decide to say no to it and you walk away from it in your own strength and you just go live in the same life that you were living besides doing that, I promise you, you will be right back where it's at. But church, if you say, I'm done doing this, and you pick up God instead, he will give you the strength to get through it. Now, I really can't. I, right now, I, I'm at a spot. You say, well, Justin, how has it been so long? I'll tell you why. Because if I'm too busy with God, how could I even begin to start going down that road? Uh, you know? And if I'm too... if if. And guys, whatever it could be, some people in here, it might be alcohol, it might be drugs, it might be your lack of prayer or your lack of reading in the scriptures, it might be your lack of love to other people, it might be compassion, you being compassionate. It might be you being a part of, you know, the body of Christ, whatever the case is, right? It might be you getting busy in the church. Whatever it is that you feel like you're lacking in your life, I'm telling you, you can't just tell yourself, I'm not going to do it anymore, and then just... It's going to happen. It's just not going to happen. We need Jesus. We need him. We need him. But it's when you decide to let go of that. And that's what the season of Lent is about. That's what the season of Lent is about, guys. The season of Lent is about dropping some baggage off and picking up some new baggage for Jesus. Picking up some new habits for Jesus and for his kingdom. And so guess what? It's not too late. You can start a 40-day fast today. You can start it tomorrow. But there's two things I'd recommend for you. As you begin to get these things off of, out of your life, two things, or a couple things, three things. One of them is, remember, corporate confession is important. 
Corporate confession is important. When you are able to confess and wear your heart on your sleeve, God begins to change you because you're open about it. The second thing is we need to be willing to let go of those tough things that we're struggling with. We need to be willing to let them go. Sometimes we're in a spot where it's like, well, I just don't want to let it go. It's a struggle that I have, and I really don't want to let it go. Well, I'll tell you what. The, the last part of this message says this. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And I don't think it means to really gouge your eye out or cut your arm off. I think what it means is do whatever it possibly takes for you to stay in the faith with Jesus. To stay strong for him. It doesn't mean to go physically out there and take the door off of your room or whatever the case is. It means to pick God up in your heart, really. It it means to pick the word of God up and get strong with him. And grow with him. And that's that's the final point that I want to mention to you guys, is that you can't drop something without picking something up. You just can't. Because if you empty your hands and you don't fill it with God, the enemy will fill it with something else. And that's it. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that we would hear these words. We would all hear these words, Lord, even myself, and we would put them into practice. Lord, that we would be a people, a church, that sheds the, the luggage and the baggage that we hold. And that we would find ourselves carrying you and your word and your kingdom. And we find ourselves carrying all of the luggage that involves you. And it, it may seem like, whoa, well, I'm going to pick all this back up. I'm going to be overburdened. No, you're not because you help us carry it. When it's yours, you help us carry it. And so, Father, I pray this morning that we would be a church that picks things up for your kingdom and for your glory. And, Lord, that we would leave the things behind, that we would repent and turn away from the things that we do that are wrong, that we know that are wrong. Lord, guide us as we go through this step. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I'll tell you what. You guys probably have your communion. And we're going to take it. But I want to encourage you, if you think to yourself this morning, I'm going to stay for the potluck, then... We're breaking, we're breaking bread even then, too. So stay tuned. Stay with us. And uh, just know that we are going to be meeting up here right after church. We're going to set some chairs up and we're going to have some fun. But if you guys will, with me together, we remember that we serve a powerful God. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. When somebody asked me today, how do you know that Jesus is real? I say because it was his name that I called on when I got changed. I didn't call on any other name besides the name of Jesus Christ, and, and my life was changed. And it wasn't me that did it because I tried to do it years before many, many, many times. But it was the name of Jesus Christ when I called upon it that I was changed. And I believe it for, I see some heads not in here. Yes, yes it is. Amen, amen. It's the truth. And so remember him for his body that was broken for us to redeem us and to make us whole. Remember him.
We remember his blood that was shed. You know, somebody said this, and I'll make it quick. If you ever want to know about God's love, oh no, no, if you ever want to know about God's wrath, look at the cross. Blood had to be shed. But if you ever want to know about God's love, look at the cross. Because his love was displayed for us as well too there. And so we remember Jesus and what he's done. And his blood that is for us that washes over our sins. Let's pray. Lord, you are such a good God. And I'm so thankful to be a part of this group that we get to meet here today, even after church, and just be in communication with one another. Build relationships, Lord. I'm so thankful that this journey that I have with you, Lord, is not done alone, and you don't expect me to do this all by myself, Lord. But not only do you give me so much more strength, but, Lord, even the body of Christ is here to help each other and strengthen each other. And so, Father, I pray this morning for this group of people. I pray for those who are watching online, Lord, that you would give them strength as they go throughout their week. Lord, that we would not be a people, just like, the, just like I said in the nugget this morning, Lord, that we would not be a people that just find ourselves eating from your table here this morning, Lord, but that we would incorporate your table of worshiping you and honoring you and living for you throughout our weekly lives. Lord, that this would not be the only time that we find ourselves being fed, but that we would dive into podcasts about you, videos about you. If we love music, that it would be that we play music for you, Lord, that we listen to music about you, Lord, that we pray to you, we talk to you. We talk to others about you, Lord, that we would be fed all throughout the week. Be with us here this morning. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray all these things. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Danny, can you get on up and uh, sing us this song real quick? Get us in the right key. We sing hallelujah. Let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. We got a potluck going on. We're going to set some tables up, guys.